ASAP. Any score, any place. We'll pull up on your boat, anger. Don't bang. Bro, who's making this? No, who did this? Let's go. Come on. I'm so tired from watching. 90 yard touchdown. 90 yard touchdown. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogelmeyer. And we are two riders who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. And we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly on Facebook during the season. And now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, we have some news for you guys today, but before we get started, I just want to say thank you to everyone who is coming to check us out for the first time and everyone who is a loyal listener and coming back again. But the news is going to be that the Chargers have released their first official depth chart of the season, and there are definitely some surprises on there, including Nazir Adderley, Drew Tranquil, and some other spots that we're very excited to talk about and some big question marks as well. But then in the second segment, we're going to be starting our recap of the final episode of Hard Knocks of the season. It was a wild ride, and unfortunately, some of the biggest moments happened to center around Chargers getting injured. But today was the last episode, so we'll start in the second segment by talking about watching all of the Derwin James injury stuff go down. And then we'll wrap the show up by talking about the guys who got cut and those interactions Really genuine, cool interactions between Tom Telesco and Anthony Lynn with some of the guys who got cut and then some of them who ended up on the practice squad as well. But let's go ahead and get into it. For the first time in 2020, the Los Angeles Chargers have released an official depth chart. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story. The Chargers released their first official depth chart of the season, and although this doesn't show exactly who is necessarily going to start for sure, this is the best idea of who won spots coming out of training camp and how this team actually stacks up who's the second string or third string player, and to see how the team is going to look when it starts week one against Cincinnati in There were some definite surprises for the Chargers and a lot to talk about, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And the biggest thing that stood out to me was that Nazir Adderley is officially going to start for the Chargers at free safety, we assume. Both him and Rayshon Jenkins are just listed as safeties, but that's the way you would think it would play out, David. And now, after missing his entire rookie season due to injury, Nazir Adderley looks like he's finally going to get his shot to start on the back end. Yeah, after a really tough start for Nazir Adderley coming in as a second-round pick, with them really expecting him to come in and play next to Derwin James and have one of the best safety tandems in the league. Both guys were really excited to be able to play with each other, but unfortunately, Nazir Adderley in his second year, after basically redshirting his rookie year, is getting his opportunity to play because of a Derwin James injury. We're probably going to have to wait at least another season to be able to get both of these safeties on the field at the same time. But Nazir Adderley gets his chance. He gets to show the coaching staff and everybody else all that natural ability that we saw in that preseason game against the San Francisco 49ers last season. And also the coaching staff said Desmond King was going to be a versatile player for them this year, that he was going to be everywhere. And it seems like that is definitely the case according to the depth chart. You see Desmond King as the primary backup at the right cornerback position 
as well as the backup at the safety position. So seems like you're going to see a lot of Des King in a lot of different places. The coaching staff has always said they love his versatility and has kind of seen him more of a safety than a corner. Seems like we're going to see a lot of Desmond King in new spots this year. And we're also going to see him in one of the same spots, and that's him returning punts for the Chargers again a year after fumbling four of his punt return attempts and eventually losing his job and getting it back, but that was a little bit surprising. Elsewhere on the defense, I thought the biggest surprise was that Drew Tranquil was slated as a backup behind Kazir White, who plays strong side linebacker, a position that Drew Tranquil hasn't played with the Chargers, but Chargers B writer Daniel Popper said he'd be shocked if Tranquil wasn't out there starting in week one. And the guy starting in his place, Denzel Perriman might be the guy sitting out. It has him as the starting middle linebacker, the Mike linebacker, and Kenneth Murray, who they said was only going to focus on Mike linebacker, playing the weak side linebacker or the will linebacker. So there's definitely some questions there, but I think we'll see how it plays out this weekend against the Bengals. On the offensive side of the ball, there weren't a lot of starting spots up for grabs, but one that definitely was was the Chargers wide receiver three position, which in today's NFL is basically a starting position, and they have it listed as so on this roster. And that ended up going to Jalen Guyton, a guy who really persevered last year, didn't have a lot of success for the Chargers, David, and now goes into at least week one as the number three, maybe even the number two receiver if Williams can't play. Yeah, so some big shoes to fill for Jalen Guyton, who is getting an opportunity to come in and be that wide receiver three. The coaching staff said that they want some real speed, and Jalen Guyton definitely provides that in spades he is a 4 3 5 40 type of guy the guy can absolutely fly like you mentioned he did not have a lot of success last year but he must have impressed the coaching staff and made enough plays in training camp to be able to be trusted to be the guy at that wide receiver three spot at first beating out two rookies in kj hill and joe reed Elsewhere on the depth chart, you look at the running back position, and Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson were going back and forth all training camp to see who was going to be the backup to Austin Eckler. And according to the depth chart, it looks like Justin Jackson is going to be the primary backup with Joshua Kelly being the third stringer. But I don't know if that necessarily means that he's going to get more touches than Joshua Kelly, especially in week one coming off, coming off an injury. They did say that he is gonna, he's good to go for this week, but I still think you might see Joshua Kelly get more touches this week against the Bengals. And then you look at the backup quarterback position as well, Daniel, and they are trusting Justin Herbert to be the guy in case there's an injury come week one where Tyrod Taylor gets hurt. It looks like you're going to see Justin Herbert in there right away. And that is interesting only due to the fact that you can't really have it both ways. You either have to let the rookie sit and season under Tyrod Taylor for a little while until he's ready or have him go in there the first opportunity that he can if Tyrod Taylor goes down. It's hard to say that if he does have to enter week one against the Bengals that he'll be ready to be a starting quarterback in this league because he didn't do enough throughout training camp to win him that starting job. Not that anyone thought he would in a shortened offseason, but Justin Herbert has a lot on his play already, and he, as the coaching staff have all said, will have to be prepared to get his number called upon as early as week one. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to get into our final Hard Knocks recap, going over the cuts of the day and also Derwin James's injury. But first this season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. 
It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place to replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from some of the league's best stars with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Just go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Alright guys, well, this was the last week of Hard Knocks for the Chargers, and we have one more recap to get into, and once again, there is a ton to get into from last night's episode of Hard Knocks. All spoiler alerts are on right now. If you haven't seen the latest episode, I mean, I'm guessing you're going to if you're clicking on the Hard Knocks recap, but if you haven't seen it, stop now, unless you just want to hear about it, then keep listening. But this week's episode started again with Phil McGowan, who has been the Chargers coach that stood out the most, and I don't think... Out of any of the Chargers beat reporters and everyone that we talked to, I don't think anyone had Phil McGowan being the breakout star. You know, we all thought it would be like Ron Miles or Gus Bradley. Both of them ended up having only pretty small roles in it. But there was definitely one key thing that he was trying to get the point across, and that was even with everything going on that ended up canceling their first scrimmage and the injustices in this country, once you get out on the football field, that's all you can think about. Because if not, somebody's going to get hurt. And also the fact that, This week, David, was not like every other week of training camp because this week is when cuts were going to happen. So he was just urging his players, I'm going to be real with you. People are going to get cut this week. So this is the week you need to lay it all out on the line. Well, and I think it's nice to hear from a coach, just a guy being straight up with you guys, straight up with the players, him saying, hey, guys, you need to go out here and you need to make plays. You need to um, impress upon this coaching staff that you want to make this team. This is your last opportunity. And I think being real and being straight up just get garners more respect from the players, just knowing that this guy is just telling us, hey, you need to go out here and perform. You do it now or you're not going to do it at all. Yeah, and that was definitely a theme throughout this episode because in this episode you're seeing their scrimmage partially and you're also seeing some other fully padded practices and everyone going full speed. But we also got to see you know some players talking about Derwin James, of course, and even guys like Chris Harris Jr. just talking about how much depth they have, which was, I mean, about as you know foreshadowing as you can basically do in an episode. But there was one funny moment that we had to talk about, and that's John Lott bringing all the rookies together and telling them that you know he's they've done everything that he's asked them to do, and that and especially Darius Bradwell, and he asked him how much he weighed, and he said thirty seven, meaning that he got down to two hundred and thirty seven pounds, which in the beginning of camp I think he was two fifty three. So that's a big, big jump for him, and you can tell he looked a lot better. But him saying this guy came in looking like an ice cream man, I mean that that was really funny. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't oh, get man. much better than that. John Lott is hilarious, man. I mean, you know, they always tell us about how there's going to be a coach that you're gonna you're gonna hear things that you never expect to come out of someone's mouth. The creativity in which they put words together. I think John Lott and Phil McGowan were those two guys for Hard Knocks this year. Yeah, and credit to Phil McGowan, too, who has made his curse words into a charitable donation. So definitely check out Phil McGowan's Twitter and you can see. What a smart idea, man. That's so awesome. Definitely a good reason to curse, to be sure. And we all knew that the main focus of part of this episode was going to be Derwin James. But of course, it just starts with Anthony Lynn, you know, talking about how 
infectious Derwin James is. I mean, it was also them showing some highlights and also showing Derwin James talking about his new shoe deal. I think it was Keenan Allen asking him, hey, you got your own shoe yet? And he said, nah, bro, I ain't make it that big yet. I feel like if I was playing more last year, I could have gotten one. I think I'll go crazy one more time. And I think I'll let him see it. And and then, David, you also had Justin Herbert, I think said one of the funniest things of the episode when he was talking about, you know, if you were just to make an entire team out of one player, I think that Derwin James would be the best team if he was playing all 11 positions. And that is quite I mean, a kind of hard, kind of hard to argue with him, right, Daniel? I mean, the guy is an absolute maniac on the football field. His speed, his uh, coverage ability. I mean, we've. I mean, we've gushed about Derwin James many times. I don't need to go over all his attributes. I mean, if you've heard this show before, then you know that we are all huge fans of Derwin James and his crazy athletic ability. It would be interesting to see him play all those different spots. But like I said, the craziest thing about it is you if, if anyone could do it, it's Derwin James. Absolutely. And I mean, he just does everything so well. He's such an exciting player to watch because there's plenty of players who are very good at what they do that aren't necessarily exciting. That's not the word you would use for him, but Derwin James is about as exciting as they come. And there was more foreshadowing like Derwin James sitting on the sideline of a game talking about talking to other players saying, you know, I've been injured. I couldn't play. You know how bad I wanted to play, bro. Got to watch it upstairs. Got to watch it on TV. You don't have no control over it. Play every snap like it's your last. And of course, He's saying that as, you know, his last snap of the season is <sighs> coming up for the team. But I think to really gauge how important he is off of the field as well as on the field was Phil McGowan, David, just saying it means something different coming from you, Derwin. Like, you carry weight around here. You're Derwin James. And I think that was a cool moment because it's like you're not just any player out here practicing with these guys like you're Derwin James you're a superstar people are going to listen when you talk well and I think that just shows everybody how much respect he has in that building in such a short amount of time they said that this guy is a natural born leader and you kind of see why I mean he's breaking down the huddle he's talking to people just the presence when he comes into a room that's what they talked about Kenneth Murray as well is that Kenneth Murray has that We've seen it from Derwin James, and you know he's basically in that interaction. He was just basically talking. And Phil McGowan was like saying, "Hey, you know this is practice, so make sure you know protect our guys." Uh, and you know, hey, if they hear it from you, then they're going to listen more than you know if it comes from a coach. So it just shows you how much the players respect him, how much the coaches respect him. Everybody loves them. Some Derwin James. Of course. I mean, and it's hard not to like him just, you know, because of all the great things he he does. I and mean, we saw all of the videos during training camp that didn't come from Hard Knocks, which you ended up seeing a few of on Hard Knocks, of him, you know, straight up covering Keenan Allen one-on-one and shutting him down and getting pick sixes. And, like, just you can't ask a strong safety, let alone a free safety. I mean, you can't ask either of those positions, but a strong safety, a box safety specifically. And I think box safety is... Obviously, what Derwin what Derwin James does best, but I also think it's straight disrespectful too because he's not just a box safety; not he's a all. pass rusher. He's a coverage specialist. He can shut down any tight end man to man. I mean, you ask it to be done, and he's going to do it better than pretty much everybody else on the field. And I think Hard Knocks said at one point, you know, maybe their best player went down, and I think. Derwin James is the Chargers' best player. He might not be the most important player, even though I would argue, even if he's not, he's you know top two, top three. But he is their best player. He's the only player on this team that could be considered 
the very best at his position, even after only playing in 21 games so far in his career. So first team all pro nods do not just get handed out to anybody, no. and especially on a, a given to a guy who said he was using just mostly his his athletic ability. That's why this just hurts so much because you were expecting him to match that athletic ability with that cerebral side of the game, knowing the defense and just watching him go out there and just flow and play fast. But, man, it just sucks. You just It's going to be another year. And in hard knocks specifically, obviously, they, you see really how these coaches and people react when something like this happens, when a player of Derwin James's caliber goes down. And we saw earlier on in their series – with Mike Williams and how people reacted, you know, basically just saying, get up, get up, you know, it's fine, it's fine. And with Derwin James, it was no different. I mean, you had Melvin Ingram running up to him and saying, like, you good, you good, bro, you got a cramp, did you hear a pop? And then you're just like, oh, I'm like, you see everyone just kind of melting, you know, like, and then at one point, Gus Bradley says, tell me it's a cramp, is it a cramp? And then he's saying, definitively, it is a cramp. And then also just being like, but hey, get him out. Go look at him. I mean, go get him checked out. He's such an important player. And they did that. You can tell just by the way he was walking, David, by just the somber feel of everybody on the field, what had happened. Yeah, you could feel it. And, you know, it's funny as one of our our loyal listeners, Craig, put out a tweet saying that he was probably going to run out of the room and not watch that part because of how uncomfortable it was. But, you know, I think it was important because, I mean, that was something that, you know, you really wanted to get the reactions of and see what 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 went down and how delicate of a non-contact play that could happen that could cause such a crazy injury these guys are all top athletes in in an incredible shape but even in that even in the shape that they're in things like this can happen and yeah you could definitely tell everybody was sad and just the one thing that was really hard for me is watching Derwin James walk off the field with his head down I think Daniel he knew at that moment that something was seriously wrong I think that he did I mean he just wasn't saying anything you know if Derwin James is out there and he goes down for whatever reason you basically expect him to kind of just jump up and be like all right guys I'm good like let's keep going you know what I mean and just the fact that he like kind of got up and then went down especially a non-contact injury like that which if you remember Keenan Allen against the Chiefs that was a non-contact injury as well and he was murdering them that whole yeah. first half man specifically oh Marcus Peters god yeah he was killing Marcus Peters in that game man that was tough yeah I think he had something like six catches for 60 yards in the first half of that game, just absolutely blowtorching the Chiefs defense. But it just goes to show you, I mean, it's not something he did wrong. He didn't try to overextend himself or overexert himself. Like he was on the backside of a play that he had nothing to do with, and he's out for the season. Last year, you know, you could kind of see what happened with his foot and him running. This year was just a freak thing. And for Derwin James, I mean, for this team, I mean, it's such a major blow. And for a safety, a position that, it's kind of been devalued in the NFL, at least that's been the thought process. To see a player you know, that really elevates all of the other guys around him go down, I mean, you could just feel the air come out of your TV. I mean, like it was, it was crazy. It was a palpable feeling, and it was just seeing that real raw emotion from these players and just knowing how hard it's going to be for the rest of those guys to take it and for Derwin James to be watching on the sideline. But we do have one more segment to get into. We have the coaches' reactions and everyone's reactions when they find out that it's not just a normal injury and he's going to be out for the season. And the two guys they focused on the most for the season in Hard Knocks, 
getting cut from the team coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet. And I'm talking about Built Bar. The improved Built Bar is back and better than ever with 18 amazing flavors, including six new flavors like lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The reason that Built Bars are great is because they work for a health conscious guy. If you're trying to maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, there's nothing better than Built Bars. And they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Right now, we have a special deal with Built Bar for our listeners. You guys can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. And all you have to do is go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word. And you'll also get $10 your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. So one of the things that I glossed over in the last segment was just the fact that the Chargers were going full speed, full tackle football. It was the Chargers scrimmage where Derwin James got hurt, and we all knew that already. But there's also Anthony Lynn telling these guys, like, we're playing real football right now. You got me? This is tackle. This is to the ground, real football, full-ass speed, but you got to protect the quarterback. You got me? So it's always funny to see that. You know, it's like, this is real, real football, but, like, don't touch the guy in the red over there. I mean, he's not allowed to be touched. But it just was the star of the Chargers showing training camp and then showing a couple of undrafted rookies making some plays, knowing that this was their last week before they could potentially get cut. And you saw, you know, guys making plays all over the field. There's a part where Braden Fehoko, David, is like, that's two sacks today. You know, he gets some good penetration a couple times. Then you also have Darius Bradwell out of practice and then needing to get out on a hot route, basically knowing that there's going to be a blitz, knowing that he has to get open right away and he tries to block Damian Square, but the quarterback ends up getting, you know, killed or would get killed in a real game. And they're basically like, hey, man, in that situation, it's a blitz. It's a hot read. You got to get your ass out of there. Don't worry about blocking. Don't worry about any of that stuff. You need to give your quarterback an outlet. And they're basically just showing David what these guys are going to do, getting ready to basically just showing what they're doing before they're going to inevitably get cut later on. Yeah, well, and it's funny because they they made they showed them making plays too. I mean, they showed Darius Bradwell, you know, having several really nice blocks and really doing really well in pass protection and making a couple of good cuts and you know, making some decent runs. And then you see Braden Fajoka with the sacks, like you mentioned. I mean, him making plays, getting some pressure, and then uh, of course all of this just leads up to what we already know and them getting cut and not making the 53-man roster. But, hey, like I said before, that's what Hard Knocks does, though. They get you invested in these guys. They make you you know, fall in love with their, their personalities, their connection with their families, or, or just you know, the coach having a personal kind of, a, you know, showing personal attention to you know a guy that he kind of relates to and, and Darius Bradwell. He's another running back. Obviously, we all know Anthony Lynn was a running back as well, so he just has that soft spot, and you can kind of just see it, and you saw it in the conversations they had later on as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you saw it from the beginning. The first episode, you know, him even pulling him aside and telling him, to get in better shape. I mean, they could have just cut him, right? And, I mean, we'll talk more about that later, but they could have just cut him before he really ever did anything, as soon as he showed up out of weight. But he stayed there. He ended up losing you know, somewhere around 16 pounds or something like that, and it definitely kept their eyes on him. And they, you definitely know that he wouldn't have gotten those eyes unless he was doing some pretty impressive things even at that weight. But there was also the moment when the Chargers get that call. They find out that it's going to be for the entire season. They're missing Derwin James. It's Damon Mitchell, the Chargers head athletic trainer, talking with Anthony Lynn and saying, you know, basically Derwin 
just talked to Derwin's agent. He's going to fix this meniscus right away, so we're going to try to get it scheduled for tomorrow. And then it's just a really sad phone call with Anthony Lynn saying, our safety is down, just non-contact, second year in a row for that young man. And then you can tell whoever's on the phone is asking like, how long it's going to be out. And he's like, I'll let Dr. Andrews decide that tomorrow. But right now, it's the whole season. Same thing he did in college, but the other knee. It's crazy. And we all know, David, that at the end of the day, we all know, David, that the Chargers, it kind of seemed like did what was best for Derwin James in doing the full repair. I'm not saying that that was even an option. Obviously, that's for the best of the player. But it seemed like more of a Derwin James decision and less of a Chargers decision. So I know, I think I originally gave credit for the Chargers for doing the right thing and kind of letting it, you know, do whatever it takes to get him back fully healthy. And I'm not saying the Chargers wouldn't have made that same decision, but I mean, this seemed like it was his agent, you know, with him and his family as well. Like, hey, no, there's a lot of money to be made. Let's get this fully figured out right now. Well, I mean, there could be some money to be made, but you got to remember, I mean, he's only got a couple more years left on his deal and this is another major injury, another season that's going to be mostly missed for Derwin James. But on the other side of the token, Derwin James is still in his early 20s. He's still very, very young. And if he gets this fixed and get it gets it done the right way and rehabs the right way, comes back strong, then he doesn't shouldn't have to worry about this happening again. And he still has all the ability in the world. He just has to be able to go out there and stay healthy and show everybody what he is capable of doing. That's, I mean, this just sucks, man. It's just, like I said before, just another year you're going to miss watching such an incredibly talented player. But, hey, the decision should always be with the player. At the end of the day, they should be the one that should have control over their body and with this, the decisions that they made. So Derwin James going for the long-term fix, wanting to get it fixed completely and not have to worry about it later. And that's the, obviously the goal of it, and we obviously hope that he can do that. And there was also the moment once Derwin James went down and they knew he was going to be out the full season. You see Tom Telesco in his office saying that every agent that has a safety looking for work has called me within the last 48 hours, which I think just shows you, you know, when something like this happens, the ripple effect and you hear the Chargers, you know, Jaleel Adai and all this stuff. But he's basically telling you like every single agent of a free agent safety called me to try to get their guy on our team. After the Tom Telesco scene was over, though, it did show something pretty cool, which was Tyrod Taylor getting to camp so early that it was still dark outside. And I think that was pretty encouraging. You heard some stories like that from the Cleveland Browns hard knocks, but you saw it in this episode. And it was Tyrod Taylor getting in there early in the weight room while it's still dark, watching film with nobody else there, just him by himself. And then him just basically saying, you know, you can control what you can control, but I'm grateful that we can come out here and compete. And he also said that it was very special for him to be a leader for these young men in this organization. And I think it's hard really not to pull for Tyrod Taylor so much, even though everyone's excited to see what Justin Herbert's going to do. But the cuts were the biggest part of the episode. And it started with Darius Bradwell and Tom Telesco just saying like, hey, the first couple of days, I didn't even think that you were going to even get a chance to try to make this team. I thought we were going to bring somebody else in. But after that, I'm proud of the way that you responded. We see a lot in you. Anthony sees a lot in you. And then it was just Darius Bradwell saying, I'm going to work. I'm going to embrace this challenge and saying all the right things because they told him he will have a practice squad spot. And then he goes into Anthony Lynn's office. And it was pretty 
cool because the first thing Anthony Lynn was basically saying was like, I know this sucks, but how can I help you become a better pro? How can I help you become a better running back? And we also saw Sean McVay cutting players and it was always like, you know, you did really good. You did everything that you could and, you know, we might bring you back and blah, blah, blah. But Anthony Lynn is like sitting here breaking it down for these guys and, and, and really keeping it so real with them. And basically what he told them was in order for me to release the tools that you have, I have to help you become a better professional. You came into camp 20 pounds overweight, my man. We were talking about paying you six figure income and I can't race that car. You got to take care of your body and you got to pick what vehicle you are. And I guess Anthony Lynn loves cars because there are so many vehicle references, but this was <laughs> the best part. And he was saying, you're an F-150, maybe a 250. You ain't no Corvette. You ain't no Lambo, so stop running around like you're one. A big guy like you shouldn't be making 15 cuts before you get to the line of scrimmage. That's not your game, brother. But, David, I think it was really him talking about you know wanting to sit and study with him and watch other backs that he thinks he is like to really you know try to carve him out a role in this league. And, again, you can really tell that Anthony Lynn has a soft spot for running backs. It's very clear in this clip right here. But also you just kind of see the type of leader Anthony Lynn is. He, you know, it, instead of just letting him go and, you know, being happy for him, he's saying, hey, how can I make you better? How can I help you do your job better? What what do you need from me to get you to where you want to go? And then offering some additional support on how to get there, like you mentioned, I think is just, you know, shows why everyone around the organization and everyone who has touched and who has communicated with Anthony Lynn just loves the guy, will follow him anywhere, run through a brick wall for him. I mean, you've seen just numerous occasions throughout Hard Knocks, guys, just whenever Anthony Lynn talks, you know that he commands the room and he commands every single player's attention. And I think little things like this, these conversations like this, is the reason why he has that type of respect among his players. Yeah, and even keeping it real with him at the end saying, you didn't make the active roster and you should be disappointed. Like, obviously, you should be happy about the practice squad spot is what he's telling him, but you came out here to make the team and you didn't, you know, so, but all these coaches want to help you. And I think that's what gets you recognized as a player's coach and a player, a coach that players want to play for. But they also showed Braden Fehoko, the defensive interior lineman, the one who did the Haka, the guy that they have also been focusing on during this season. And it starts with Tom Telesco basically telling him he has upside and continuing his talking about feet. We know he talked about Sam Tevy's good left tackle feet. Here he's saying, we do have a practice squad spot for you. For a big guy, you do have some quickness and good feet, so there's some upside there. But he also Telesco's gave a little... got a foot fetish. Yeah, something like that. But he also started talking about, you know, what it means to be on the practice squad. And I think that's something a lot of people don't think of, which is what it takes to be a practice squad player every single day. And I think what he ended up telling him was, you're going to be doing a lot of scout teams to start watching some Bengals defense because the better look that you give our offense will be better for it. And you also have to be ready to play for us as well. The practice squad is not easy, but congrats. It's not easy to make a practice squad. I know you're going to be hard at it. Then it cuts to Anthony Lynn asking him if you've ever been cut before. It sucks, doesn't it? Because obviously he knows that experience firsthand. And when he basically echoed Tom Telesco's statement of, I need you to get our first team offense ready, but at the same time, I need you to develop into a better player. If you were where you needed to be, you wouldn't be having this conversation. Keep working on your pass rush skills. We feel good about your run defense. So, I mean, another guy, he's just telling, hey, this is what you have to get better at to be better in this league. And then obviously it goes to Braden Fehoko talking with his parents. And I mean, even making the practice squad, I mean, how proud his parents were for him to get that job. I mean, Anthony Lynn also said, you know, you will get an opportunity 
at some point, you know. So they, they definitely believe in both these guys and the extra spots on the practice squad are definitely helping a lot of these younger players out who should get their chance at some point, especially in this weird COVID-19 season that it starts talking about, you know, him and Anthony Lynn cutting it up about Lubbock, Texas, because his brothers ended up going to Texas Tech and his and his family lives out there and love it there. But that was pretty much the end of it. I mean, all of the families being so happy, you got to see these Chargers get cut, but it wasn't like a normal hard knock season. You didn't feel that bad. You were kind of happy for them. They could stick around and get an opportunity later on. But it basically ends up the show with a couple of weird blooper moments, David, and it's Justin Herbert just looking like a total kid. Like he's just such, he has such a kid feel to him it's just such a joy to him it's so funny i mean the, what he said wasn't funny can you guys hear me right now and him talking to the hard knocks mike how about now <laughs> like so gooby but like you can just tell he loves being out there and then brian bulaga talking about the announcer voice for hard knocks saying how much does that guy get paid i mean how much does hbo pay the He's guy in there such an this? iconic voice yeah such a recognizable voice he really sells that and like it was funny <laughs> and it was really cool david to get to see that this season with hard knocks like Obviously, it sucks that the injuries were such a big storyline for it, but it really was cool to see them doing that show on the team we cover. I honestly just enjoyed it so much. I I really did. Being able to just get more of the players that we love, more of the team that we love, being able to see more of the coach's personality, getting to see more of the players just in their own element, that stuff was just so awesome. And Honestly, you know, when they first came out with Hard Knocks, I was like, man, I don't want the distraction. I I mean, I don't know if it's a good idea, but after, you know, the finished product and being able to watch more of my team, more of your team, more of the team we all love in the Chargers get that just crazy awesome access, it was an incredible ride, and I loved every minute of it. I did too. I mean, I watched it no matter what. I watched it last year on the Knock on Wood John Gruden season. I've watched it before that, but this one was really cool, and I think the Chargers definitely won the battle of Hard Knocks and the battle for L.A. in this one. And the other thing that I want to tell you guys about Hard Knocks is we were actually almost on the Hard Knocks episode. They decided not to end up using podcast audio for this episode. I think they had some music or something again. But we actually were an option for them to potentially have us talking in the background about some of these players. But obviously we wouldn't be able to have those opportunities or even be able to be considered without you guys. So I just wanted to shout you out because that's kind of a commendation for you guys as well, because without you, I mean, we wouldn't be anywhere. So that was pretty cool. We almost got on there, guys. Next time, we'll definitely make it on to some bigger and better things coming soon. But this is game week, and this will be the only week we're talking about hard knocks because the rest of the week, we're going to be focusing on the Bengals week one. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be getting into our first crossover of this season because we're going to be talking with Jake from a Locked On Bengals about this weekend's matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend. So much to get into in those matchups, but make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On LAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts or giving us a follow on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. If you guys want to get on the voicemail shows, we have a couple. We have space for a couple more. The number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But that's going to do it for us today, guys. We're back with you guys tomorrow talking Bengals in this Chargers season. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.